Welcome to Profit First Nation, the official podcast for entrepreneurs who are operating their businesses in the zone of permanent profitability. I'm Mike Michalowicz, the author of Profit First, and now here's your Profit First Nation guide, Daniel Mulvey. Welcome back to another episode of Profit First Nation. This is an episode ending in eight, which means that Mike Michalowicz is joining us as we dive into some questions from his email inbox. And today the Q&A is all around instant assessments. So welcome back, Mike. Danielle, it's so fun to do this every 10th episode. So thank you for having me back. Of course. All right, question number one. Hi, Mike. Finished pumpkin plan and now wrapping up profit first. Got a question. We are a distributor for commercial fitness equipment. We buy at dealer pricing and resale to end users margin goals of 20 to 40%. My question is, what is my real revenue? Total sales with cost of goods coming from OPEX or would my wholesale product purchase be accounted for under materials above the real revenue number? Thanks, Mike, for all your help, RS. Yeah, so anytime you're buying materials or hiring subcontractors, and that's it, specifically and exclusively above 10% of your gross revenue. So if I make a million dollars and I'm buying $5,000 of fitness equipment that I'm reselling, that doesn't count. It's too small. That 10% just puts us in a realm of um, of reasonableness. I, I don't want to have too many accounts. but if we are over 10%, say you're buying uh, half a million dollars, that's 50% of your uh, gross revenue is, is to buy fitness equipment, we're going to set up an account called materials. Or you can be, even be more specific. You can put new fitness equipment or purchase fitness equipment, whatever terminology is specific to you and you understand the intent of that account. Then what we're going to do is a real revenue adjustment. I have to give context here. Real revenue is what your business is really generating in revenue for the service component that's providing the actual services. Now think about this. You're not making that fitness equipment. You are simply collecting money from your customer. You're procuring it on their behalf, storing it at your facility, possibly in advance to them picking it up. That service of procuring it, storing it, maybe even delivering it or initial setups or configurations, that's the service end. But you're basically taking their money and handing it over to that manufacturer. That's the real revenue adjustment. You're not doing a million dollars. In this case, you're doing about a half million dollars because you're taking the other half million from your customer and paying it to that vendor, the manufacturer. So materials, it's a materials adjustment. It's a subtraction from your gross revenue and your real revenue is minus that fitness equipment if it's over 10%, which I suspect it is. And, you know, we, we recommend, of course, when in doubt, add an account. And again, sometimes for clarity, it just makes it easier if you are just sweeping that money that's cost of goods, either materials or subcontractors expenses into its own banking account. And then that's the money that you have to replenish inventory. That's the money that you have to buy more equipment to resell and such and not necessarily you know putting it into your opex and running your operating expenses out of there as well as replenishing inventory out of that too so advanced profit first we're going to add a few more accounts and when you have those above the line above the real revenue expenses um 
even franchise fees and um, and 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 like I said, these cost of goods and materials and or subcontractors expenses or even sales tax, we're going to want to have to have that separate bank account. And then that money, we know exactly what that purpose is for that money. So thanks for the question, RS. All right. Question number two. I want to thank you for writing Profit First, Mike. I read it eight weeks ago, implemented it seven weeks ago, and it's been amazing so far. Just knowing where my cash is going and what's allocated is taking a load off of my mind. So thank you. I have two questions that I'd like to follow up on. Number one, does owner's comp include non-payroll items such as my company-owned car, health insurance, etc.? And number two, as my business grows or shrinks and I cross into different sizes based on your target allocation percentages chart, how do I think about changing my allocation percentages? Do I adjust the caps quarter by quarter or do I change my ramp up plan to hit the new caps over time? Your thoughts are greatly appreciated. Once again, thank you. Regards, Mark. I think Mark asked that that second question. That's the first time I've ever been asked that about going between the different ranges. So that's amazing. So let me first start off that first question. What is owner's comp? Owner's comp is any benefits that the owner derives from the business that the, the business is paying for that is not a profit distribution. So it's salary, but it can also be a car or some other personal benefits you gain as long as it's within the law. Now, this is what you do talk with a profit first professional, a tax specialist who can reduce your tax consequence and form a owner's compensation package for you, where you benefit, <clears throat> excuse me, where you benefit the most and the business deduces or reduces your subsequent tax consequences for you. So that's what owner's comp is for. And that's why I didn't call, I used to call it owner's payroll, by the way. And that's why I changed it to owner's compensation to be this holistic package for the owner. A second question, my God, do I love it? When you are on the verge of flipping between um, one revenue range to another in the instant assessment chart I've created, whatever your new established numbers are, wherever you land is where you should stay. That instant assessment is a getting started point. It's a launch point, but it's not that you should adjust right back down to a different percentage if your revenue drops back into a new range or increases to the new range. It's simply the starting point. Once you're started, Profit first adjusts to how your business is living and breathing. Always be trying to control your expenses, aka reduce them, increasing profitability, increasing owner's compensation, and by necessity, increasing taxes. So as the business grows, we always want to be increasing that. But as the revenue increases for an organization, often the business owner takes a lower compensation package. So while we want to always enhance those, it has to be reasonable for the business's growth and health. So again, start with the instant assessment chart where it is and then work with the profit first professional to adjust dynamically from where you are now and always adjust from where you are now going forward and you know i mean it is just a, a reminder too that your business is not a personal piggy bank either so you have to be really cognizant of what goes into that on owner's comp package and such and that it is you know, really to the benefit of, of the business and to you as the owner to minimize uh, the tax burdens, et cetera. But it's not to just, you know, fund a lifestyle at the expense of building a profitable business. All right. So question number three. Hi, Mike. 
My brother used your books to make his small real estate business a thriving success. And I just started my own telehealth business in July of this year. At age 50, I'm a newbie business owner. I got tired of making money for doctors and being forced to see six patients in an hour. Very unsafe, but happening everywhere. I've drawn a line in the sand for sure and need to make this work for me. I love my patients and want to spend time with them. I've opened my accounts and am working on the assessment form, but my business is healthcare and my numbers aren't adding up. Ugh. I am not a bookkeeper and I have QuickBooks. I've only paid myself a few hundred dollars and can't figure out my real revenue. For background purposes, I am a nurse practitioner and see patients online. I help with weight loss and hormone replacement therapy. I have a small overhead. I work at home, but I do sell compounded medications to my clientele. Not all of them. I charge for my services and I'm unsure if my payment to my compounding pharmacy is a material cost and that minus my revenue is my real revenue. I don't know what my profit is and I haven't paid myself but $700 since July. What am I doing wrong? Sorry for the questions. I'm feeling a little overwhelmed and want to hit the ground running, but my numbers are not adding up. I need to get a bookkeeper for sure, but I'm not borrowing money to start my business. I'm doing what I can to do, afford to do with cash, if that makes sense. I don't want to go into debt doing this. Thanks for any insight, Martha. And Martha shouldn't. I, I love, Danielle, how you did the ugh part because it says in that letter, it's like this huge, huge, and Martha, I get the frustration. Um, I actually remember specifically receiving that email because it, it it struck a chord with me. The one thing that I don't have in there, and I think I did request in an email response I sent to Martha, is what kind of revenue do you have? Because $700 in income, while that sounds very low, if your company only made $800 in a year, my God, it's extraordinary. So we have to know the context of your revenue. Here, let, let's start off with assuming you're making significant amounts of revenue. Well, I don't know what that means for you, but thousands, tens of thousands, or hundreds of thousands. What we're going to do is we're going to use the instant assessment chart. And we're going to look at the first column, which is up to $250,000 in revenue. Now, why did we pick that range of zero to 250, 250 to 500? Generally, businesses that make up to $250,000 in revenue or less are highly dependent on the owner. And you'll see, I'm happy we threw the chart here. You'll see that the owner's pay is usually about 50% of the income, profits 5%, and then operating expenses at 30% when you take out your tax deduction. So we have to ask yourself, what kind of revenue did I generate in the last 12 months? That's representative of your business's income. Now, you may only be in business for three months. If Then we have to basically amplify that through a multiplication to, uh, to a full year. So if you made $30,000 in the last three months times four, that's $120,000. Then we set our owner's pay to 50% and profit to about 5%. Make those allocations first. Then what's left over is used for the operations of your business and taxes. The other thing is I can't tell how much service you're providing versus uh, supplying medication, compounds, and so forth. So I need to know what allotment that is. So if your um, medical or compound expenses are over 10% of your total revenue, so if you're doing $120,000 a year, if it's over $12,000 in compounds, we're going to set up another account called materials or the compounds or whatever. Then we're going to allocate that money first. So money comes in, uh, say it's 10%, 10% of that money goes in to replenish that account 
The remainder is then allocated 50% to owner's pay, 5% to profit, tax, and so forth. So that's what we got to figure out. We got to apply the instant assessment based upon your current revenue. If we don't know the revenue, amplify it into a full year. and That's how you get started. Then we should have a dialogue again. Maybe send another question. Once you have a full year under your belt to see where you stand, and we're going to start adjusting based upon the numbers you have and improving things for you. You know, I, I just like to add, I mean, you know, when you think about um, the, 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 the business hierarchy of needs, I, I mean, what I'm seeing here is if she has very little overhead um, and she's only been able to pay herself $700 since July, it, just because you build it doesn't mean that they come. So, you know, I'm wondering, are you spending a lot on marketing and not getting that six, that, that six X to 10 X return on marketing? But it seems like a sales function that needs to happen here to increase the, the, the revenues coming in. Um, and, you know, I see this and I think you see this too, Mike, across multiple businesses, owners that we've talked to over the years and such is that really, you know, sales is like oxygen to your business. And you really, really, really have to be hustling it just because you're a provider doesn't mean that, you know, people are going to show up on your doorstep um, unannounced. You have to be the one that's driving those sales, that's driving those, those, those clients and customers to that doorstep. Yeah, I, I just want to add to that. That's a great point. When we look at, I now call it the business priority pyramid because we identify what the priority is. Many people see sales, but then they get buried in, I need to focus on a great logo for my business. I actually got an email of someone that spent thousands of dollars on a logo and they said, I'm not getting any sales because who cares about a logo? So what are the fewest things we can do at the lowest priority, which is sales, or I should say the most foundational priority, what's the fewest things we can do to generate revenue? And usually when we're a one-person operation, it's circulating ourselves. You are the brand in the beginning. Once that's in place, we got to get to a profit model right away. That becomes the next priority. So don't keep on focusing on these things that maybe satisfy ego. You have a great looking website or a great looking logo. And I'm not saying that's Martha, what Martha is doing, but let's not focus on those vanity components. They have very little impact. Let's get Martha out circulating, generating more sales, controlling those costs, and getting her, her revenue to a level where she can take an owner's comp that's comfortable. And you know what's out there circulating? I mean, like yeah. you are out there circulating all day, every still, day, yeah. right, Mike? Yeah, still. Uh, uh, I yeah, mean, and the other you day, too. I think I heard that you were guesting on eight podcasts. Like you are, you are out there hustling. You are out there attracting and generating the business that comes in. Um, and you're not necessarily serving the business, but, but, but you are out there doing that. Same with me. I have to be out there when I'm out there. That means the, the, the phones are ringing. The emails are coming in. The inquiries are happening, happening. Um, with our, with our construction material supply business. I mean, I am not happy if our salespeople are in the office for the day. I'm like, you need to be out. Like we yeah, don't, let, make let's money. give context. Don't make sales if you're not out and about. Let's give context. Uh, you know, I have a $5 million. My collective revenue is about $5 million this year. Yours is $25 million. And you're still getting out there. Jeff Bezos is probably 5 billion and he's still getting out there. I read an article that Amazon is negotiating uh, a new location in a new city. Guess who's leading that sale? The, the negotiations, of course, it's Jeff Bezos. There's this mistake that we think that once we get to a certain size, we don't have to represent the brand anymore. We always do just in a new way. 
All right, question number four. Hi, Mike and team. I'm reading Profit First. I'm in chapter four, where you assess the business with the assessment form. My husband owns a small plumbing business. So far, it's just him and one helper running one service and repair truck. When I fill in cell A2 for materials and subs, would I put the supplies and materials for him? He has a huge cost that goes towards supplies and materials. In the book, you talk about this only applying to certain situations, referring to businesses with actual sales. We do not sell any product, so I was unsure what to fill in here. I feel like we should put some things there since he has such a huge expense that goes towards supplies and materials. Can you help? Thanks in advance, Tiffany. That's a great question, Tiffany, because in most cases, what you're expecting to be true is not true for this, this plumbing business. In most cases, we charge the client for the materials, whatever it may be. We procure it from a third party, the manufacturer, and give it to the client. In this situation, it sounds like you have what's called an embedded cost, which means within the service fee, those materials are being delivered. Usually that's for what we see as inconsequential materials. Uh, you know, maybe it's a, a bolt or a nut or something like that. And to charge a client a dollar, a markup on the 10 cents you paid is actually more uh, cost administratively than just providing that. But I'd be very careful because that becomes a slippery soap where we're not charging for things. And you look back and sure enough, you had costs of 10 or 20 or $30,000 over the year that you didn't charge for. You just embedded it. So just be cognizant of that. But regardless, if the cost for those materials, regardless of how you're charging for it, it's embedded or it's billed out separately, you must build a materials and subs account if it's over 10% of your gross revenue then we want to make sure that we're replenishing it. So let's say you do $200,000 a year and the materials you're buying is, uh, we'll say 20,000, again, just for easy numbers, that's 10%. We're gonna make a real revenue adjustment. So your revenue, which is 200,000 now is reduced to 180, 20,000 is going to this uh, materials and subs, which is mostly materials, it sounds like in this case. Then um, every time a deposit comes in, we're gonna take 10% of that money and replenish that materials account. So we keep on having funds available to buy new materials, but your actual revenue also is now 180, it's not 200. We're gonna run our business accordingly. So you're embedding the cost. You do have to do the adjustment uh, in this unique circumstance. And, and you know, there's only two ways to increase profitability. Number one, increase margin and number two, decrease expenses. And so it's really important to understand what are all the costs that go into providing a service. So, you know, when you replace a toilet, for example, I, I assume that's one of the top uh, calls that a, that a plumber gets is you, yes, you have the cost of the, of, of the toilet, but you might have some other, some other, um, connections or things like that, that get involved in that, um, disposal fees. If you're going to remove the toilet and have to dispose of it somewhere and such. So I would really look at definitely your, your most popular services and really figure out what are all the costs associated with that? What is the labor going into it as well? And make sure that you're pricing at a very healthy margin. Um, don't be pricing to be the low price provider. Don't find out what your competitors are, are pricing um, and, and base your pricing off that. You have to base your pricing off of what is going to make for a profitable business. What is going to get you guys to that next level, to adding another, an, another team 
um, with a service truck and, and being going out and, and servicing double the customers that you're servicing now. Um, so make sure that you really take that into account and really figure out, like Mike mentioned, you know, like the, the, the small little inconsequential things that, yeah. that, that add up over time and such. Make sure you're really looking at those numbers and, and reassessing those, you know, do our price, is pricing going up? I mean, um, Pipe is is sort of commodity based pricing stuff of oil, and so you need to be watching how much are you paying for pipe, you know, from 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 time to time. So and make sure copper. Uh, that you're pricing, yeah, and copper. And copper is so expensive, Daniel. We we needed some electrical work done, and it's like, oh my god, the price of copper is out of control. My electrician made me aware of it. I, I just want to share one last thought. I traveled in a uh, Uber recently, and they have the travel fee. They have the uh, municipality charge. It was an airport. It had a uh, use of fuel charge and broke it down. What's interesting is, at least for me in the circumstance, I saw the Uber fee and those other fees while they were added in, it didn't feel like a more expensive service. So perhaps if you have to dispose a toilet, you should have a disposal fee. I would test this out to see how your customers align with this, but have your fee and then break out the additional costs so they have clarity on why you're charging what you're charging and they can actually absorb more cost, I believe, in a situation like that when it's broken out. Test it, don't just deploy it. Oh my gosh, that's a great point about, about charging separately for the disposal fee instead of just including it and such because um, absolutely, I would much rather pay a high price to have it disposed than you don't have want a toilet it in your sit in my yard. garage waiting for my husband to you know take it to the dump someday. <laughs> That'd be so funny. You've come visiting. I was at your house before I come visit and there's just a toilet out there. That's the waiting chair for now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. Last question. Hi, Mike. Um, I'm reading Profit First and trying to fill in the assist instant assessment form, but I'm confused. I am an Airbnb manager, so I get income from Airbnb. I take my percentage, then pay the cleaners, then send the landlord the remaining. I'm unsure of which boxes to put these into. Cleaners, I assume, is operating expenses. My management fees, owner's comp or profit. Landlord's income, materials or subs or operating expenses. Oh, me, oh, my. Any help would be massively appreciated. I've tried to find answers online, but failed. Thank you, Tom. Yeah, I think this is a situation, Tom, where you're bringing complexity unnecessarily, and then it becomes confusing and we avoid the whole system. I would start off really simply. If it's an expense, meaning it's something that does not go to you as owner's compensation, as a benefit to you for the work you're doing, if it doesn't go to profit, ultimately dist distributed to you, the owner or shareholders of the business or tax, it's not backs. So these management fees, all these different fees that you're incurring, let's put them all into OPEX. Now, if you're the management company that's providing the service back to the company that you also own, we have to treat them as two separate companies. And now it's two different uh, profit first deployments. So another challenge, Tom, that people have is they have multiple businesses that work in concert. You are the vendor and the client to yourself in certain circumstances, but we just blend the numbers together. Then we'll never have clarity on what business is running healthy and which one isn't, or maybe they all are, or maybe none of them are, but we have to break them out to have that clarity. So start simple, then we'll build our way out to more complexity if we have to, but usually we can avoid that. Yeah, yeah. So like you said, it sounds like there's two entities here and he has to track the, the dollars for those entities um, in, in, in a different view. Right. That's exactly All right. right. 
Thank you so much for joining us, Mike. Um, you know, I mean, the 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 best way uh, to implement Profit First is with the assistance of a certified Profit First professional accountant, bookkeeper, or coach. So if you would like to connect with such one of our Profit First professionals, then please go to ProfitFirstNation.com and click on contact. And there you can click on the link to connect with one of my fellow certified Profit First professional accountants, bookkeepers, or coaches. Cheers to another profitable day, my entrepreneurial friend. Thanks for tuning in to the Profit First Nation podcast. We hope you found today's episode valuable and that it's inspired you to take action towards achieving permanent profitability in your business. If you want to learn more about how to implement Profit First in your business and connect with a community of like-minded entrepreneurs, be sure to visit us at ProfitFirstNation.com to download our how-to guides and resources. Remember, permanent profitability is within your reach, and we're here to support you every step of the way. So let's do Profit First right together. Profit First Nation website, related podcasts, and videos are provided for general information purposes only and do not constitute accounting, legal, tax, or other professional advice. Visitors should not act upon the content or information found here without first seeking appropriate advice from an accountant, financial planner, lawyer, or other professional.